0: Stage here, Oh my gosh, if I just bite it in the middle of the message, that'd be pretty funny, wouldn't it? Um, I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, you, uh, you're amazing, and you are worth going all in for, as we've heard last night and this morning. And God, I, I just thank you that a lot of the people in this space under this pavilion have gone all in for you. Um, a lot of us have recognized that you're worthy and, and we've decided to lay our life down and follow you. and I'm, I know there's some people that haven't. Um, but Jesus, we just we want to do that for the rest of our life because um, there's, there's really nothing else. There's nothing else worth doing. Um, you're, you're amazing. So I just invite you, Holy Spirit. Come into this space. Um, this is so not about me. This this is this is all about you. And and my desire is just that that we, uh, as these two churches, H2O Buffalo, H2O U C, would just be mobilized in our faith. That we would be all in on mission. That's all I care about, God. So what, whatever I say, whatever however people hear what I say, I just I just want that to happen. So Holy Spirit, come. And just put a strong conviction on each of our hearts to, to live lives that are all in on mission. You're so good, and we love you. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, who, who wants to go all in, right? Yeah? Yeah. It's so good. So, uh, I, yeah, like, like I just prayed, I'm, I'm going to be talking to you guys about being all in on mission. And, and the thing is, you will adopt a mission in this life, right? Right? It's just going to happen. Every single one of us is going to adopt a mission in this life. It's just a question of will you adopt the right mission, right? I, I think probably a lot of you guys are on a mission to succeed. You're, you're on a mission to get that killer job. That's why you're here in college getting that degree so you can go and you can, you know, get on this mission to make a bunch of money and, and have security. I think some of you are probably on a mission to, uh, to have a family someday. Maybe to, to find a spouse. Maybe, hey, maybe some of you guys are here just this weekend to find a spouse. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that's why some of you guys came here. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, maybe you're on a mission to just accumulate material things and money so you can just feel secure and feel like you have enough. Like I said, maybe you're on a, a mission for that dream career. All of these things that we can live life on mission for, they, they have something in common, and it's that they're all temporary. They're all, all passing away, right? The job is passing away. The family that you're going to start, it's a great gift from God, but it's, it's temporary. The spouse that you're, you find, like, it's, it's temporary. The things that you accumulate, like, all of the stuff that we can't—we we get so, like, focused on and we care so much about, all of it is temporary. James 4, 13 through 14 James, the brother of Jesus, he says this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and, and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. What, what is your life? You are a mist. Man, I, I hear that and I feel humbled. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just... I'm a, I'm a mist. Like you walk outside on a cold winter day and you take a breath and you see that mist in the air or whatever. That's your life. That's what this scripture is saying. So what, the the mist that is your life. What mission are you going to adopt in your mist? I want you to, I want you to think about that. Like I, I even want you to just introspect for a second and, and look at your life and ask yourself, like, what is my, what what mission am I on right now? <clears throat> and I'll, I'll come back to that here in a second. Uh, Thursday, as I was just praying and preparing for this message, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped this question on my mind. And, you know, there's a million things I could say all in on mission. That's like the most broad Thing to talk about. And I'm like, what? I, I don't even know. Where do I go? You know? And, and I'm like, I, I'm just, I, God, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You, you tell me what to say. And I, I feel like he just dropped this question in my mind. It's such a good question. It's, it's, God, what do you want? Great question. I'd encourage you all to ask that to God. What, what do you want, God? Right? We're, we're so quick to tell God the things that we want. We're so quick to, to bring our requests to him. And that's good. We should. Like, God wants us to do that. But, but have you ever asked him what he wants? And so I asked him that question on Thursday. God, what do you want? And I was on, in, on my knees in my basement just asking him what to, what to say. And, and this question came to my mind. God, what do you want? And, and the answer was immediate. And it's funny because it's like right in line with what Kyle was saying. The immediate answer on my mind was, I want you, John. And, and that's true for you too. Like, God, what do you want? The answer is you. He wants you. He wants you. He really, really, really wants you. First and foremost, he, he just desires you. Even if your life is like kind of messy. Even if you're addicted to porn. Even if you're making bad, bad decisions with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Even if you feel like a failure in life. Even if you're like struggling with, with th- you know, things like depression or anxiety. Or maybe, maybe some of you in this room have even tried to end your own life. Doesn't matter. God wants you. That doesn't change anything. And I, I know and am confident that he wants you, one, because Kyle told us that uh, last night. But, but also, Jesus, like, he shared multiple stories to getting this point across, right? In, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, he says, uh, you know, which one of you, if you have a hundred sheep, and, and one of them, and they're out in the open country, and one of those sheep goes astray, and it, it wanders out into the wilderness, would you not leave the 99 and you'd go after the one, and on finding it, you would rejoice, and you'd put it over your shoulders, you'd throw a party. That that story, it, Jesus is talking about, uh, like, you, you're the one. You are the one sheep that, that God, God looks at you, and he says, oh, man, I, them, I love them, and they're worth going after. They're worth pursuing. They're worth leaving the 99 to, to go after. That's you. Right after, he, he tells a story about, um, the, you know, this, I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but uh, this son, and, and he, he asks his father for the father the inheritance that's coming his way, right? He's basically saying, God, you know, or, or father, you're as good as dead to me. I just want what would, what would come to me were you to die. And, and the father gives the son what he asks for. And the son goes, and what, what does he do? He blows the father's wealth on reckless living and prostitutes, and, and he winds up in this place where he has nothing. And he's, he's feeding pigs, and he's like, man, I, I am so hungry, I would eat this pig's food, right? And he he comes to himself and he realizes, even my father's servants had it better than me right now. This sucks. Pigs suck. My life sucks right now. I should just go back and plead with my father that he take me in as a servant. And so he, he does. But guess what the father does? He sees him coming from a long way off. This is the son that has blown half of the father's wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. The father sees him from way over there and he's like, that's my son. And he runs after him and he embraces him. And the son, you know, he starts to to give him the the, the spiel. Father, like, I I know I messed up. Just take me in as your servant. I'm sorry. And the father's like, nonsense. Puts a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, a robe on his back. And he says, my son was lost and he's been found. He was dead and he's alive. The father wanted the son, even though the son sucked. (laughs) And God wants you. God, what do you want? The answer is you. But then there's another question I want to ask, and it's, it's to you, Christian, or you, non-Christian, that's trying to figure things out. What do you want? What do you, what do you want? Do you want to be prettier? Do you, want, do you want a house, a family, sex? Is that what you want? Do you want a killer job? Do you want your team to win the Super Bowl? Do you want people to see you? Is that what you want, to be seen and, and valued and cared for by other people? Do you want security? You know, there's, there's so many things that we want. Some of them are toxic. Some of them are pure. But, but really, what, what in the core of who you are, what is it that you desire? And I, I ask that question because your answer to that question will reveal what mission you're on. What it is that you want will, will show the mission that your life is is, is going to have. And I, I just think about, I think about God, like God wanted you so badly. What did he do? He, he took on this crazy mission to come down to the earth as a man and, and, and save you. Why? Because he wanted you. So his, his desire shaped his mission. And you know, my hope, I, I hope that your answer to that question is Jesus. I, I hope he is the thing that you want more than anything else. That's my prayer. Man, if... Both of our churches, were for everyone in, in both of our churches, our chief primary desire and want in life was just Jesus. Watch out, UC and UV, right? Things are going to change. Things are going to change because your desire shapes your mission. I hope that Jesus becomes the desire of your life. I hope that you start to desire him in, in the same way that he desires you because the thing is, he is the one thing that's eternal. He, he's the, the, the one mission, the mission that he can give us is, is the one mission that makes our midst of life actually mean something at all. <laughs> and when we, when we start to desire him and love him and follow him and obey him and just want him, he, he taps us into this insanely awesome mission that's out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting this way because being all in on the right mission, it's, it's not just about doing stuff, you know. It's, it's not just about identifying as a Christian or, or growing up in church. Like, it, it's, that stuff, cool. But, like, it's, it's not just about doing stuff. This mission, the right mission to go all in on, it comes from a relationship. And, and you will not be able to live in this mission until Jesus becomes the thing that you just want more than anything else and you you start to desire him in the same way that he desires you. And so that that's my des- like I'm I'm going to talk about mission, but really I'm like I just want you to love Jesus. I just I want you to see him as the treasure in the field. And you you see this treasure and you realize this is better than anything I have. I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to go buy that whole field because he's just so worthy. Like that's my prayer. And I want that for my life too. I just want us to be a room full of people that long for the person of Jesus because he's the prize. You know, he's, he's the reason why heaven is going to be so amazing. It's, it's not because, like, it's because he's there completely. We're going to see him. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> I just, I, I long for us to, to long for Jesus. And when we start to, the, the mission that he gives us, it's, it's the mission of making him known to other people. There it is. That, that's the mission that I want you to, to be all in on. Like I want you to long for Jesus, and when you, when you start to, he will entrust you with this mission of making him known to others. Here's a really cool uh, s- scriptural outline for what I'm talking about. This is Jesus in Mark chapter 4 when he is like figuring out who his disciples are going to be. Here's what it says in verse 13. He went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. That's so cool. Jesus wanted the 12 disciples. He desired them. And he called them and they came to him to to what? To be with him and that he then might send them out. Right? And he wants to do the same with us. He desires you. And he's calling you, every single one of us. He's calling you. He wants you to be with him. And then he wants to send you out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the rest of our time just talking about this mission, being sent out, making, making Jesus known. And uh, I, I just have three really simple points that are essential for being all in on this mission of making Jesus known to other people. Sound good? Yeah? Cool. You guys good? You awake? Is anybody asleep? No? If you're asleep, just wake up. Yeah, come on. What the heck? Wake up. Listen. I think I got some good stuff to say. This is, this is good. Um, yeah, <clears throat> so point number one being all in on the right mission. Who wants to be all in? Yeah? Look at your, look, look, hey, look at, look at the person next to you and say, I'm all in. And then, then turn the other way and say, I'm all in. Okay, good job. I need water. Good opportunity for water. Okay, let's let's be all in, right? I want my miss to mean something. Yeah? You know, I, I, I don't I don't I don't I don't want my miss to be futile and, and a waste. I want my mist of a life to actually mean something, and it can. That's so cool. Um yeah, so step one, this mission, being all in on this mission. Uh first point I want to talk about. This is so important. Recognize that the people around you need what you have. The people around you need what you have. People are going to hell. And that sucks. But it's just the reality. People are, people are going to hell. Like, there are people that are going to spend eternity separated from the God who made them. Even though He loves them and wants a relationship with Him, they, they, never, they never responded, they never said yes to Him, and so they are going to be away from Him forever, for eternity. People are going to hell, and that, that sucks. Matthew 7, 13-14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, but the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. That scripture, it's, it's saying the, the, the gate and the path that lead to destruction, it's easy, and many people enter that, that gate, but the, the path to eternal life, it's narrow, and few people find it, and it's hard. It's a hard path. People are, are going to hell. People are going to choose the wrong path, and they are going to spend eternity separated, from God and it's it's not that God is like excited about that or or even wants to condemn people to hell he doesn't Ezekiel 33:11 says I take no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked God God takes zero pleasure in making the decision to send people to hell forever he does not want to do that he does not want to do that so much so that he put on flesh and suffered and died in their place and in your place and in my place and in everyone's place, that is how badly he does not want to send people to hell. Jesus is like, he's like this lifeboat for humanity. <laughs> Everyone, like we're all drowning and there's this lifeboat and we can, we can get on it or we can just, we can drown and die and, and that's it. And, and man, God, he, he wants a relationship with all people. Acts, and, and he, Jesus, his son Jesus is the only way. Acts 4, 11 through 12, it says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No, no one else came and died for your sin on the cross. No one else has done that. No one else rose from the dead. There's just one dude who's done that, and his name is Jesus. And if you're a Christian, you know that, and you are in him, and you actually have his spirit in you. And if, if that's true, that means that people desperately need what you have. People need what you have. More than they need money or a job or a house or anything else, people need what you have. Notice in that Matthew scripture, the the wide gate that leads to destruction, it says many enter it. But then the narrow gate, it says those who find it are few. Right? This this narrow gate, it, it must be found. And you have the directions. You know how to get people there. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you understand the the gospel in the most simple way, you have the directions. People need what it is you have. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, "'How will they call on him whom they have not believed? "'How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? "'And how are they to hear without someone preaching? "'How are they to preach unless they're sent? "'As it is written, how beautiful are the feet "'of those who preach the good news.'" How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.'" How is it that people are going to hear? People, people are not going to be able to believe unless they hear. So how are they going to hear? You. You. There are people out there that will not meet Jesus until they meet you. Think about that. God wants to partner with you, and you need to realize that people really, really need what you have. Um, I, a, a few weeks back, my life group, we uh, partnered with Scioto, and we did an evangelism night. And it, it was funny. I was like, ask my leaders. I was like, guys, I don't think we should do this this soon. Like, this is so soon in the semester. We've got, like, a ton of new people coming around. Like, they are going to think this is so weird. We're forcing it. And we didn't tell anyone either. We, we, we sent a message in the life group chat saying, like, hey, we're going to have an outreach-focused life group, whatever that means. Um, And they show up, and we're like, you're actually going to be going on campus and sharing the gospel with people tonight. And uh, it was just, it was so, it was funny. But it was awesome. It was such a good night. And um, I went out with my friend Josh, and he had, has never done evangelism before. And um, he, his best friend had just passed away uh, a couple weeks prior. And he was like, you know, struggling. Um, And I'm, in my mind, I'm even like, oh my gosh, this is probably, like, this is probably the last thing he wants to do, you know, coming to life group and and we're making people go out and do evangelism uh, so I'm like i'm going to be with him, and maybe that'll make it better I don't know and uh and so we go and we're we're doing evangelism, and he's never done this before um and it's you know it's late at night, it's dark and we have a conversation it goes pretty good um and and but like I don't know nothing nothing super deep came out of it. But we're walking, and, and I see this girl uh, sitting at a picnic table alone. And for me, I, my, my uh, tendency is like, if I'm doing evangelism, and it's like me and a guy or just me, I'm probably not going to talk to a girl who's alone at night. Like, that's just kind of creepy. Um, but I really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you guys need to talk to her. Like, just set that to the side. You need to go talk to her. And so we come up to her and ask I, uh we, we just ask her, like, hey, do you believe there's a God who loves you? She was like, yeah, but I, I'm, not, I'm not into that anymore. And we're like, what, what, why? And she explains to us, she said, well, my mom died of cancer a couple years ago. And uh, I thought God was going to heal her. And he didn't. And so I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. And we ended up talking to this girl for an hour. And it was so awesome because th- this guy who I'm with... His best friend just passed away and he's been running to Jesus like he's been c- coping with the pain with Jesus and he was just so clearly able to speak into this girl's life and he'd never even done this before <laughs> and she's just weeping like half the conversation she was just crying and, and by the end of the conversation she's like I, I feel like God sent you guys here to talk to me. Um, this happened for a reason. I'm never, I'm never going to forget this night. And, you know, she didn't, she didn't rededicate her life to Jesus or anything like that, but it was just such a cool display of, like, she needed what we had. Right? She needed what we had. And I'm, I'm just telling you, people need what you have. Just even your campus. Like, you are God's plan A for your campus. I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second. I am convinced. I think that college campuses are the most strategic mission field, not in America, but in the whole world. I, I am convinced of that. I think that where we spend every day of the week, I think it is the most strategic mission field on planet Earth. You know, because we have, we have future leaders here. We have people from all over the world coming here. And what, at what point in a person's life are they more... Um, like, you're, you're, you're choosing the trajectory of the whole rest of your life. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. You're not married. You don't have a job yet. You have, like, 15 hours of classes a week, and then you don't even have... It's like you have so... There's so much flexibility in, in like, people. I, I think it's just the time where people are... They're, they're trying to figure out who they are and what they believe. People come here from all around the world to, to do that. I think college campuses are the most strategic mission field in the world. And I want you... To see yourself as a missionary on your campus. You have the greatest news in the world that offers eternal life to anyone who would believe it. And you're, you're in the most strategic place in the world. I, I want you to like latch on to this. I, my college career, I, like I, I got a hold of this my freshman year. You know, just going on campus with Grant, doing evangelism, just being in this community, seeing people who are on fire for Jesus and, like, actually believed in him and loved him and wanted to follow him, like, it just did something to me. And I was like, okay, this is, this is my life. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Yes, I'm a student, but first and foremost, I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm God's son, and I'm here, and I'm going to make a difference on this place. And, and I, I, I want you, I want you to see your time in college through that same lens, and I, I, I am convinced if you do, the next, however many years of your life, and probably the whole rest of your life will be 10,000 times better than it would be if you just pursued some other mission. right? I am convinced a million times better. Following Jesus is so fun. When you understand that people need what you have and you get to you get to be a part of people's eternal destination changing. It is exciting. And I, I, I want this to like mess with you. I want, I want us to feel a burden for lost people. Like, I, I want you to, to sit with and be uncomfortable with the fact that most pe- people are going to hell on your campus. People in your classes, people you sit next to, people that you're friends with, like, are going to be separated from God forever. And they need what you have. Hopefully you feel convicted by that. That's part 1 okay part 2 recognize, recognize people need what you have but but second thing love people enough to do something i want you to love people enough to do something secret christianity doesn't exist it's just it's not a thing like a, a secret christian is is not it doesn't work. There's a there's a quote, I think I heard this from Grant, there's no such thing as a secret disciple. Either the secrecy kills the disciple, or the disciple kills the secrecy, right? This thing that we hear where people are like, I have more of like a private, you know, like private faith, and I just kind of keep it between me and God, and I don't really like to talk. to No, that that is not the gospel, that's not what it means to be a Christian. One of the last things Jesus gave his disciples, he said, go therefore, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That does not sound like living out a secret faith. It's not the same thing, right? It's not, and it's not just enough to, to feel a burden for people and, and understand conceptually that people need what you have. You, you actually need to do something about it. Let's, let's love people enough to do something about the fact that they need what we have. I was just earlier today I, I, a story came to my mind um, my friend logan we, we have a, a mutual friend, and uh, this was maybe like two years ago uh, I get a text at like two a m and logan's like I, I cannot stop thinking um, about this guy like i i am I, he was not able to sleep because the idea of this friend in hell was like filling his mind logan's and he texted me and was like, we have got to talk to him. Like, we have got to, we've got to do something, right? We love him, so we need to do something. And I don't know when it was, maybe a few days later, we we set up a meeting with him and we go and, and man, it was intense. Like, we sit down and Logan tells him, like, I could not sleep the other night because I was imagining you in hell. (laughs) I'm not, don't, don't just go and start doing that all the time. Like, that's, that is not going to be the best mission strategy on your campus, but that's what the Holy Spirit said to do. So that's what Logan did. I just kind of tagged along, and this guy—I mean, he didn't—he didn't get saved right there. He—it's—it's it's a work in progress. I, I'm not sure if he has a relationship with Jesus, but hopefully, he goes all in. You know, Pray, hopefully, hopefully, God move, please. But, um, man, that story it just—it came to my mind as I was thinking about the second point because it's—it's it's not like Logan just had a dream or or was up at night and like, you know, had this thing filling his mind and then that's it. It just stopped there. Like he did something about it. He texted me and we, we met up with him. If you, if you don't become that person's friend who doesn't have any friends, who will? Like if you don't do something, who will? If you don't share Jesus with that person you feel prompted to talk to that you see on campus, who, Who will? Who's going to do it? Isaiah 6, God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me, right? If you, if you are not sent to that person, like who's, who is? I don't know. And you don't either. So be the one, right? Be the one that loves them enough to do something about it. If you don't pray for that person that, that opened up to you about the struggle in their life, who will? If you don't get into spiritual conversations with your classmates, Who will? If you don't talk to your coworkers about Jesus, who will? If you don't represent Jesus to the, the world around you, who will? I don't know. That's why you're there, right? Because God wants to partner with you. Like he, he wants you to love a person enough to do something about it. Love, real, real love will drive us to action. 1 John 4, 7-11, it says, Beloved, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Why did I read that? Because God, it says in this, the love of God was made manifest, that he did something. He sent his son into the world. God, his, it didn't just stop with I love you. It was like, I love you, so I am going to do everything in my power to save you. That's the way that God loved us. And it says, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. In, this, in the same way that he loves us, we ought also to love one another. We ought, we ought to love people in, in such a way that we get up and we do something about it. And the thing is, you, you have what it takes. You know, I think that's a lie we buy into a lot. We're like, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do it. Like, I'm just too afraid. Or i don 't know enough I, feel, I hear those all the time in my own mind, <laughs> right and I, if i 'm hearing those in my mind i 'm sure that they 're in your mind too, and that 's just a lie that 's a lie from hell. You do have what it takes you you don't need to be the best and brightest you don 't need to know much you don't i, I I've met strong, passionate Mission-minded Christians that lead people to Jesus who can't even read or write, you know? Like, you do not need to be the best and brightest. Paul, in First um, Corinthians 2, 1-5, through he says, When I came to you, brothers... I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, but I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If you if if the idea of being all in on mission and loving people enough to to actually talk to them about Jesus if that makes you feel weak and fearful and makes your knees shake a little bit guess what you're in good company cuz that's how exactly how Paul felt when he went to the Corinthians His speech and his wet message weren't in plausible words of wisdom he didn't have some elaborate well thought out well articulated speech it was just it, he said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do you know that? Like, do you know Jesus Christ and him crucified? If the answer is yes, then you're qualified. You have what it takes. If you believe in Jesus and you understand that he, he died on the cross for our sin and he wants a relationship with you and, and he loves people, like, you, you're qualified. You have everything you need. He, he, he wants people that are, are willing you know he he isn't interested in the most qualified person. He's interested in the person who's willing to just do something, to just say yes. He's interested in 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 partnering with people who just put their yes on the table. And it's it's simple. Just like it's it really it's so simple. It's as simple as just just have a conversation with someone. Like just like ask them a spiritual question and just start a conversation. Like what's the worst that's gonna happen? Are they're not gonna chop your head off? Like. It's okay. Like, they might think you're a little weird, but who cares? Really, who cares? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation, right? Go, go on campus with, with someone in your church that has experience doing evangelism. Just shoot them a text. Hey, I'm nervous, but I feel convicted by John's talk. Can I, like, can we go? Can we just go on campus, and can I talk to people about Jesus with you? It, invite someone to church, just invite your classmate to church. Hey, bro, what are you doing Sunday? Do you want to come to church with me? That's so easy. It's simple. You can do it. You can, you can love a person enough to actually do something. Just be a person's friend. Man, just friendship. And I'm not, I'm not saying like be, act like a person's friend so that you can get them to listen to you and you share the, I'm, no, like actually be a person's friend, right? Friendship is like, it's like the best soil for gospel seeds, right? Just real friendship. Jesus was a great friend, right? A, like, bring him into your friendships with people that don't know him, and love him. The best way that you can love a person is by by sharing Jesus with them. Man, let's let's love people enough to do something. So, so number one, understand that people desperately need what you have, and number two, love people enough to do something about it. Number three. I'm going to get a drink of water. Um, Number three, you need the Holy Spirit. You You need the Holy Spirit for this mission. If you want to be all in on the right mission and you want your midst of a life to mean something, you need the Holy Spirit. We can't do much on our own. We can't. But the Holy Spirit empowers ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He does. That, that's the business that he's in. Holy Spirit, he does it all the time. He empowers very ordinary people to do very extraordinary things. We, we look at the disciples and the, you know, the 12 apostles, and we look at these guys, and we feel like, like we, man, we put them in such a high regard, which we should. They were awesome. Um, they're just ordinary dudes, you know, like they were—they were young, they were teenagers. But i have heard different things, but I've seen like a, m- most people agree that the, a lot of the disciples were like between the ages of 16 and 20. They were—they were kids. They were your age. They were ordinary fishermen and had ordinary jobs. They were ordinary people. There—there w- there wasn't anything flashy or exciting about them. And we're reading about them, the things that they wrote two thousand years later. We're reading. Um, stories that they were involved with 2,000 years later. Why? It's, it's because the Holy Spirit empowers ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's what he does. Acts 1.8. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead and right before he ascends into, the, into heaven. And it's like the last thing that he says to his disciples in Acts 1.8. He says, you, you, ordinary disciples, you will receive Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're ordinary, but when my Spirit comes upon you, you are going to receive power. And that happens in the next chapter. And boy, did they receive power. Like, what's what's the result? What's the result of the Holy Spirit coming upon these ordinary dudes? Radical confidence and boldness, and miracles, and just all kinds of, read the book of Acts, it's insane, like, it's insane, because the Holy Spirit empowers ordinary people to do extraordinary things, and the thing is, the Holy Spirit hasn't changed, it's, it's not like he decided to be different, like, it's the same Spirit, the same Spirit that indwells, you, you have, if you're a Christian, you actually have a spirit inside of you that's not yours, it's God's. (laughs) And he's the same. He's the same spirit that empowered the disciples. He's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I think the Holy Spirit hasn't changed, but we've changed. I I think we're really good at figuring out how to not have to depend on him. (laughs) We're really good at doing that because it's uncomfortable. Depending on him and, and partnering with him and like listening to the things that he says and then doing them, it's just scary sometimes. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But what I've recognized in, in my life and in the life of our church is the, the more I've seen this. I've, I've seen that the more we get to know the Holy Spirit and the more that we just try to depend on him, we like awesome stuff happens. <laughs> we just see the power of God. Like, we see the power of God. First Corinthians 4.20, it says, The kingdom of God doesn't consist in talk, but in power. The kingdom of God doesn't consist in talk, but in power. Ta- talking's good, and talking can be powerful. But, like, I, so I'm, I'm, I like to talk, right? You can probably tell. I'm up here. I'm talking a lot. I like to talk. But, man, when we depend on the Holy Spirit, the, like, I, I've seen it happen where just mere talk turns into power. Like, God shows up and crazy stuff happens. And he hasn't changed. Like, he, he wants to inspire us and to lead us and to empower us to be all in on this mission of making Jesus known. That's what he wants to do. You, UC student and University of Buffalo student and you post-grad person that's still here because God's told you to, to be here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be a witness of Jesus at UC and at UB and at your job. Right? It's the same spirit I'm going to read you. This scripture messes with me. This is It messes with me. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And the whole next section of that scripture is when he starts talking about the helper, the Holy Spirit. When he goes to the Father, what's he do? He sends the Holy Spirit to us. And he's saying, you will do greater works than I do. You'll, you'll do the works that I do, and greater works than these will, will you do, because I'm going to the Father. That that's, that messes with me. I Like, what? Greater work? I, I I don't understand it. I'm not going to sit up here and explain it. I'm just reading it for you, because it's it's compelling. We need the Holy Spirit. Like, if we want to be successful in this mission, if we want to, if, if, Man, if we want to love people enough to do something, we need to be a people that are just desperate for the Spirit of God. There is so much potential in this room. There there is so much potential in this room. God could transform our campuses through the people in this room. He can and He wants to. So what do we do? Like, we need, yes, we need the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, you guys are all like, dang, man, yeah, like, I want to know, I want to know the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to depend on Him. I want to partner with Him in this mission. So what do we do? Luke 11, 11 through 13, Jesus says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So what do we do? Ask. Ask. Like, God, fill me with your spirit. That is such a good prayer to pray. That is such a good prayer to pray. I've been praying that all day, knowing I need to get up here tonight. I'm going to have... This is a huge responsibility. Like, I have 200 people listening to me for 30, 40 minutes. I cannot do this. I... Holy Spirit, fill me. I need you. I I pray that prayer all the time, and I I encourage you. Ask him. Just ask him. Get to know the person of the Holy Spirit and just be desperate for him. Recognize that that you cannot, man, like you can't succeed in this mission apart from him. Get to know him. Be desperate for him and just ask. Ask. Ephesians 5.18 this is Paul writing to, to the church in Ephesus. He says, "Don't get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit." That's a command. That's a command. And the reason he puts, "Don't get drunk with wine next to be filled with the Spirit is' it's, it's kind of confusing. Like why would he put those two things together? But the, the reason he does is how do you get drunk with wine? Do you take a sip of wine? No, like you you need to take a few sips of wine, probably. Don't do that, don't get drunk, please. Uh, it's a bad idea the scripture says not to do it but guys with the Holy Spirit like if you go and you read the book of Acts what we see is we see a people that understood they can't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit we see a people that, that they're just desperate they're desperate they're desperate for the power of God through the Holy Spirit and and we see that like they get they get filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again right and and, and man for you guys I just I want to encourage you to, to Pray that. Ask him. Like even just tonight, as we're worshiping, ask him. Like God, I want to. I want to be all in on this mission, and I can't do it on my own. I'm scared. I feel weak. I feel fearful. I feel like Paul felt. I need your Spirit, man. Pray that. That's such a good prayer. Such a good prayer to pray. So understand that that people need what you have. Love people enough to do something. And recognize that that you need the Holy Spirit for this mission. You need the Holy Spirit for this mission. John 15, 13. I'll, I'll close with this. Worship team, you can come up here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. I want to talk about that for a second. Um, no one has ever loved you the, the way Jesus loves you. And no one ever will. Not your parents, not your spouse, not anyone. No one. No one ever has or will love you in the, in the way that he has loved you. He loves you so much, he, get, he, he willingly let go of his life. And, like, it was brutal, too, you know? Like, we've seen the passion of the Christ, and we read the, the gospel accounts. I'm convinced the most painful part of Jesus' death on the cross was, was the fact that he was punished by God the Father, you know? I don't, I don't think it was the whips and the, the nails and the cross and the suffocation. I think it was the fact that God the Father, that he has had perfect unity with since the beginning of time, punished him. Like, but that's how much he loves you. He, he gave up his life in that way for you. And, and so my question is, will you, will you live for him, right? If he died for you, will you live for him? Will you be all in on this mission? Because there, there's nothing else that matters. <laughs> You're missed, And, like, praise God, you know, he gives us good gifts, like, and he he gives us good jobs, and he gives us family, and he gives us resources and and houses, and, uh, like, he's so, he's so good. But all of that stuff is just passing away. All of it is passing away. And there is just, there's one thing that's not, and it's him. And, And we can cling to him. Like, we can be intimately connected with him for the rest of eternity. Like, that's all I want. And I want that to be all that you want. Really. I do. Please. Like, I, I just, I want you to see this. And, yeah, go go all in, please. And um, if there's things that uh, God is, has put on your heart, like, if, I just, I don't want, I, retreats like this are awesome. They're awesome. And I don't want any of us to leave anything on the table. Like, if, if, God's stirring something in you right now and you, you feel convicted to, to do something or to confess in to a person that you, you have come to trust in the past two days or whatever it might be. Like, I, I don't want you to, to waste that, right? Jesus, no greater love is there than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for you. If there's something that he's asking you to do, I guarantee you it's not as big as that, Right? And so I, I just want you to respond. There's going to be people in the back. Um, if you need prayer while we're worshiping, uh, feel free to go back, get prayer. If there's just a person sitting next to you, if you feel like you gotta get something off your chest, if you feel like, man, I wanna, I wanna just commit to being all in on this mission, bro, can you pray for me? Like, do that, please. I just want us to respond. I don't want us to leave anything on the table. If there's a conviction that God's put on your heart, obey it, please, obey it. It's there for a reason. It's not a suggestion. God's good. And when he asks us to do things, he asks us to do them for a reason. So I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that you call us your friend. Thank you that you loved us enough to do something for us. And it was a great something. You suffered for us. You gave everything for us. You want us in this room. And even just if there's people in this room that don't know you, that haven't stepped into a relationship with you, just crush them with conviction right now in the best kind of way. <laughs> in the best kind of way, because what else matters? We're a mist, but God, I, I I thank you that our our mist of a life can actually mean something. Like it can be worth something. We can we can do something with this mist that will not only affect our eternity but like the eternity of tons of other people. God, I pray that you would just put a burden on each of us for our campuses. God, put even just right now as we're worshiping, I pray that you would put friends on our mind that don't know you, that you want us to have a conversation with. Family members that don't know you. I just, I, yeah, just move, God, right now. As we worship, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, come into this space. This time is yours. You're our king. We're submitted to you. We love you. Help us to just be all in.